to God. Brazil is doing fine. Hallelujah. And uh, we're glad that you support us with your prayer and, and uh, those things. And, but we've seen uh, lots of miracles, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing. Praise God. And all for the glory of Jesus. Amen. And, uh, but today I want to speak to you about something we don't hear much about. Uh, I want to speak to you today about the Holy Ghost in the now. And uh, let's turn our Bibles to John, the 15th chapter, verse 25 through 27, which I'll read in just a couple of moments after I make some statements. The Holy Ghost in your now. That simply means that the Holy Ghost has not just been for past men like Samson and for like David, for Ezekiel, but it is for you and I today. It's not just for those that have had miracles in the past and that have received breakthroughs in their lives and then moved on, but it is something that is right now with us. And that word now means simply this, that his willing involvement, his desired participation in your now. When it talks about now, it talks about a moment of time. No matter how long that moment has been, it talks about a situation, a crisis, a breakthrough, a victory, talks about a battle, but in your now, in your moment, that your decisions, right or wrong, have brought you and placed you in that moment. It is a time that you have encountered difficulties. The Holy Ghost wants to be involved. The problem is, is that most of the church is self-supportive and self-reliant. So we have very few victories. We have very few things that take place in the lives of those that serve God for the simple fact that the initiative is all based on what they can do or how they can manipulate or maneuver things. But God really wants us to have breakthroughs. Those are just not figments of yesterday's life of people that have faith. Come on, breakthrough means that we can get a break-free moment and enter into a place with God that no man has ever been before. And it doesn't matter how you got there. I'm so tired of people giving me excuses why they think they should be bound and sick and diseased. We don't need excuses. There are none. You are where you are because you are walking through life and the devil has set up snares. You've stepped into one. Get over it. My word, get over your excuses. We have this blame mentality. 
And it's so connected to excuses. Well, I would have done this if, if she would have done that. We could have made it if she'd have transformed and bent to my will. You know, my kids should have done what I told them. You know, my workplace is this. If I just had more money, please get over all of your junk. It's meaningless. It's just meaningless. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Why is he there? He wants to be involved. Why is he there? He's waiting to participate. But for some reason, we have to explain why we have ended up on the dire straits of the road of Jericho. Jesus never asked the man on the road of Jericho, hey, stupid, why are you here? Never asked that. Never even considered it. Why? Because he never comes to condemn. He doesn't come to remind you of your failures or the bad choices that you made. If he did, that'd be the only conversation we'd ever have with Jesus. Come on. But we as Christians need to get back to the very basis of our spiritual roots that we stop living by might and by power and we start living out of the substance of the provision of one that is greater than us. And that is living out of the substance of the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Ghost in your now, in your moment. So that moment that you are in right now, you have arrived at, Maybe because you did right. Oh, you mean you can get in trouble doing right? Yeah. Ask Paul. He wasn't a sinful man. He was a man that said, be you followers of me as I am followers of Christ. Yet the guy was buck naked a few times in his life, and people saw him that way. He was hungry. He was naked, forsaken, shipwrecked. Sounds to me like God wasn't on his side. No, it really sounds to me like the devil was against him. Amen. And make that distinction. God is never against you. He is for you. Amen. And it's already been determined and it's already been proven because of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you can look at the cross and find reasons why God don't like you, then you will find a reason that God never, ever accomplished when he redeemed you. Listen, God has no looking, he doesn't look at flaws, and he doesn't look at people's flaw, uh, faults. What he's doing is looking for faith. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you use your faith when you're on the mountain all the time and just shouting, hallelujah, I've arrived. My faith works most of the time in the stress of life. Now, maybe some of you are different, but I don't think that you are. And so God is wanting to hear the voice of faith. He wants to hear what we believe that he will do on our behalf. So when you are in this moment right now, say this with me. 
the Holy Ghost, wants to be involved. He wants to participate in bringing me to victory. Now, we can reject him. We can just say, you know what? This is too big for you. You're too busy. And I got a better way. And I've read six books about this subject. And you can do that. But the problem is, you're going to find six ways that the Holy Ghost may not do it for you. Somebody else's story is not yours. My chapter of books of Acts 1 has not been written or completed until I die. But I have a book of Acts. I have a book of achievements that I have arrived at by faith, some simply by mishap, but I have done certain things that are recorded on my behalf, and so have you. So have you. And your book of Acts is not like anybody else's book of Acts. And your book of Acts are the books of Josiah, the books of Jim, the books of Judy, the books books of Rebecca. They are all books that have our names on them. And nobody can tell your story except you. And there'll be people in heaven that will want to hear about what you thought they said. I can't wait till Isaiah comes up and says, hey, I heard you believe that part of the scripture one time. Do you know I wrote that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. No, do you know that God talked to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the big deal, Isaiah? This is what I believed, Isaiah, and you will preach your story. You will sing your song. Song of the redeemed. Not like anybody else's song. It's your song. I make up mine all the time. In keys that do not exist. And I, I don't care. Sometimes Phil, I'll be singing and Phil say, Honey, somebody's pulled up. Be quiet. Or she'll say, Could you go in the other room? It doesn't bother me at all. I've been offended by greater people than her. Now, we want to talk about you and I having the Holy Ghost with us in the time of our battle, our need, our decisions, our circumstance, our situations. If Jesus met anything that he said when he was on earth or after he was gone through out and inspiring those apostles and prophets when he said that he has decreed that everything in us would always be victorious in Christ, then that means that you and I can have victory all the time. Oh, brother, nobody can do that. Then this tape is not for you. Let me preach another one to you. You will fail. God hates you. He is opposed to you. He doesn't need the devil's help. He's going to get out of you what he wants out of you. He's going to lord over you. He's going to be brutish over you. And guess what? When you die, maybe you'll get to heaven. And if you do, you'll be back 
outside on the back side of the outdoor toilets in the upper city of the south, as far from the city of the north that God can get. That's not the gospel. I had a man tell me one time, you know, you don't have to call me and tell me I'm blessed all the time. He said, I just get kind of tired of it. I said, okay, you're cursed. He quit talking. I want to talk about the Holy Ghost. There is no, please hear me and hear me in the content that I'm saying, there is no reason that a defeated foe called the devil and a world that has been conquered by the king of kings and that victory granted to you, there is no reason that any people that belong to God should be under any type of bondage, need, oppression, fear, joylessness. It doesn't exist. Amen. Could I get an amen? Good. He, the Holy Ghost, is not wind, fire, oil, dove. He's not a force. He's not an influence. He is a real person. And he is as real as God is himself. He has been involved in our life ever since we have been created. When God said, let us make man, then he was there. God the Father was there. God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Ghost was there. And they created us in the image of God. And the Holy Ghost is a part of, the, of a triune God. In other words, there are three distinct persons, yet in complete harmony, one with another, that they reflect each other and do not take away from either one. It's kind of like us. We have a body, we have a, a soul, and we have a spirit. And so... The Trinity, or the Godhead, is a triune Godhead. Now, the Holy Ghost is just as much God as Jesus was. Jesus is just as much God as God was. And they are inseparable. Think of it like this, like water. Water, you, comes in a liquid form, but you can freeze it. It's ice, but it's still water. Then you can steam it. It'll be a steam but it's still water. Even though you may change its appearance and its activity, you cannot change what it is. And the Holy Ghost is the third part of the Trinity. And so he is as much of a person as Jesus is and was when he was on planet Earth. Could have given amen. He's as much of a person as God himself is. He can be lied to. In other words, you can say you're going to do something and not do it. You don't lie to man. You lie to God. Because when you make a vow and you break that vow, God has marked the words of your mouth. He can be grieved. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He can be disobeyed. 
Hebrews, the fifth, uh, Acts, the fifth chapter. So he has all of the characteristics of a person that can be pushed off, neglected, or embraced and accepted. And I encourage us that we get back to the foundations that we stop living out of ourself and we start living in the Spirit. If you be in the Spirit, then start walking in that same realm. Amen. All right. So John 15, 25. Can I have that on the screen? It says this. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in the law, their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, is that King? That's a new King James. Listen, I'm not preaching to yuppies. I'm preaching to Christians. All right, there you go. Thank you. But when the comforter is come, when he is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Now, the word comforter means what most people already know. It is, word, it is the word called parakletos. parakletos. And it simply means this, one called as if given a position by God, called alongside to help another person. So it's not that he gains help from us, it's that we gain help from him. Now Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper. Then it also means one to aid one that is in need. It means a helper, an aid, or an assistant. An assistant. So the Holy Ghost is there to help you, to assist you with everything in life. Now, if we live aside from the Holy Ghost, and, and you might think, well, Pastor, we all know this. Well, good. I'm just re reminiscing so you never forget it. Because it seems to me that a lot of what we know has just been pushed aside because it's easier to be conformed to the world than it is to be transformed into the kingdom. So we realize that we have an assistant. In fact, Jesus says this, I will send you another comforter. That simply means that I'm going to send you one that is just like me. He's going to take my place. He's going to help you. He's going to be your counselor, your guide. He's going to in, in, uh, impart into you wisdom. He's going to impart into you ways that you do not understand. And he's going to be available to you as much as I have been. In other words, the Holy Ghost is very personal. He's not somebody else's Holy Ghost. He's my Holy Ghost. And he has been sent forth into my life. And I recognize him as the comforter. 
And if I recognize him as the comforter, then I need to respond to him when I need help. Because if I don't respond, the outcome is going to be that the lesser one will overcome the saved one. In other words, the devil will overcome the believer. The Bible says, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now think that if you don't use that which is in you, then the lesser will overcome the greater. And thus, we have a reflection of many of our lives. I'm not condemning you. I'm reminding you. Because God doesn't need to condemn you. And the Holy Ghost doesn't condemn you. And I don't need to condemn you. I'm just telling you, the reason that we have these lives going on is not the neglect or the failure of God. It is the failure, the lackadaisical, the neglect of every believer that has given place to the devil. And I don't want you under that type of pressure. I, I just don't want you under that type of pressure. And God doesn't. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you at least a little sliver of it. No, life in it more abundantly. Now, and we need to do what Jesus told us to do because we'll be delivered. Jesus said in John 8 chapter, if you keep my sayings, death will never rule you. Think of that. The devil is powerless when people do what God told them to do. And then the, the Bible says the Holy Ghost brings things back to your remembrance. Memorization is great. But if I forget it all, the Holy Ghost is still there. And I'm still going to have a word of the Lord in the season that I'm in. So the Holy Ghost is not to be a stranger. Not to be a stranger. Jesus said, The Father knoweth me, and I know him. Think of that. It was a two-way street. Not just that God wrote, well, hey, I sent my son. No. And when God doesn't have a relationship with us that says, well, his name's in the book, but, you know, he, we don't know each other. I, I, I have an awareness of him, but <clears throat> I haven't seen him for years. That's not the way that Christianity is. We are in a relationship. He is our father. It would be so nice if we might go to his house on days that it's not Father's Day and take him a morsel of something left over from Captain D's. Some of us treat our parents so lackadaisical that it is impossible for us to show honor to who God is. But God is calling us 
He has called us into fellowship through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost is not to be a stranger. The Bible says that they will know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. They that know their God shall do great exploits. Those that don't will be plundered. I'm, just, I'm going to send this tape to the Lutheran church and I know I'm going to get requests to re-preach it. Now, all right. Now, the Holy Ghost is not to be a stranger to the believer, but he is to be understood and addressed, fellowshiped with, and a deeper relationship him, with him should be evolving all the time. He desires to be personal and intimate, involved and consulted about your life. If you face your life and its problems by yourself, then the Holy Ghost is excluded from glorifying Christ through you. And Jesus is worthy of every shred of glorification and honor that we could ever attain through our human efforts as well as through our faith in God. When we go into battles, if we fight them ourselves, we may lose. Then the world sees a tainted vision of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then, to you, he is to what the disciples, he is to Jesus what Jesus, the Holy Ghost is to us what Jesus was to the disciples. He's supposed to be very personal to you and I. He is to help and instruct us. Let's go to John 14. 16. John 14, 16 through 18. And I know you know all these scriptures. We just get to play with them again and see what something fresh will pop out. And I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father. This must be important. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever somebody say forever even the spirit of truth now look at the next scripture whom the world cannot receive the world cannot receive this is an exclusive endowment of power anointing wisdom understanding direction enablement by God only for his people. You say, oh, you're making a difference. I don't make any difference. God made the difference. And world, you can have the Holy Ghost. All you need to do is receive Jesus Christ, repent, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's all you got to do. But if you want to be rebellious, you can be rebellious. But you won't have the Holy Ghost. And it says this, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. 
God will open our eyes. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Wow, notice the world can't receive them, but you can have him. This is an exclusive endowment of God's person on the inside of your human body. We as believers have wrapped our lives and our renewed minds around the reality of the Holy Ghost. And we should remember that he is with us. The Holy Ghost comes with a purpose. Somebody say a purpose. I had a guy tell me one time, well, when I get to heaven, we're just floating around on clouds and all that kind of stuff. I said, are you crazy? And, of course, that was in my younger years. I've learned now that those words offend people, which I didn't like the guy anyway, so I, I didn't care. I, but people get offended today at everything. I mean, just at everything. You know, you, you, you look at a guy and, and he dressed like a woman and you say, ma'am, go in. Don't call me a ma'am, I ain't a ma'am. Okay. Or I'm sorry, you look like a woman. You can't call a man a man because he might have the attitude that he should be a woman. I mean, you don't call your wife your wife, it insinuates she's your slave, which is absolutely not true. We are enslaved by them. <laughs> you, you, you just can't say anything today. You certainly don't want to speak the truth. Oh, my word. You know, you, you offend me when, when you, you say that if I don't receive Jesus, I, I'm going to hell, which is in a word that, you know, the devil has stolen from our vocabulary. We just say, well, you know, a life without Jesus. No, that's hell. Yeah, that's a real hell. And so we, we are so tongue-tied today that we just doesn't, we, it seems like we can't express anything that we believe. But what you believe is worth expressing. They can cuss and tell you there is no God, but as soon as you say, I believe in God, you're ostracized. Well, would it be God, they'll throw us all out. Hallelujah. He has a purpose. Jesus came with a purpose. I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister, and I came for a purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, Jesus came to seek and to save those that were separated from God by their transgressions. He came to heal those that were afflicted by the devil with sickness and disease. He came to set free the oppressed. He came to heal the broken. Those are the lost. But it's not supposed to be the saved. 
But, but Pastor, I'm all of those things. And that's why we're telling you, you can get free. It's already available. It's already available. How many of you have heard these scams? They call you a, or something, they send you a letter. I mean, boy, the other day I got a check said $35,000. Endorse it and turn it in at the bank. I thought, oh, my God. I told Phil, somebody sends $35,000 check. She said, stupid, read all the fine print. I said, what do you mean? She said, this is a loan. I said, no, it can't be a loan. It's too good to be true. She said to everybody but you. Then I got to reading. I had to pay that money back. Now, if I was planning on getting a divorce, I'd have kept all them over the years. When the day she sued me, I'd have cashed them all. But you can't do that. So... I was deceived. I thought it was real. Well, it's not real. So anytime I get a check or a statement or something, I just lay it out there. Because you can't believe half of what you hear and half of what you get. You know, my wife, bless her heart. Honey, would you stand up? Please, please. I, I just want to give you the woman of her word right here. To everybody but me. She told me, honey, give me this money, and then what you can do is when we get points on our credit card, you can go over there and have them. Well, I never did anything for like a year, year and a half. Finally, one day I thought, I'm going over there. I went over there, and they told me, you've got $775. And like I said, you're kidding I said, can you give me that cash? And uh, they said, no, we have to apply it to an account. I said, oh, man. Uh, I said, do you have any withdrawal slips? I said, do you know your account numbers? I said, no, I'm not allowed to have them. I said, but surely somebody in the bank knows who I am. I'm Phyllis's husband. Well, I go home and tell Phyllis, boy, honey, hey, they put it in the checking account. Can you just write me a check? She said, how much? $775. She said, oh, you can't have that. I said, but honey, you told me. She said, well, I didn't mean that much. <laughs> so well, just how much do I get? You get half. I said, so I only get 50% of what I'm paying for on the credit card. She said, yeah. So... I have been conditioning myself not to believe people. Because a woman of truth, now I think that she could make restitution. Wouldn't that be the godly thing to do? I hate to air our dirty laundry, but I've got to try to get it back somewhat. So, now I know that I need to take it in smaller chunks, a hundred bucks at a time. So, that's what I'll do later. Hallelujah. And so, we realize Jesus came with a mission. Somebody say, with a mission. The Holy Ghost came with a mission. 
He came to our life to unveil to the world their condition, but to also bring us into the place of possessing every promise. For I have not seen nor ear has heard or entered into the heart of man what God has laid up for them, but the Holy Ghost reveals to us that which is freely ours. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 down through 13. You can read that at home. So let's go to John, the 14th chapter, and look at 17. John 14, 17. And it says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The indication is that we will have a greater demonstration of the Holy Ghost once we know him. Once we know him. And we should have a relationship with the Holy Ghost and build that intimacy so that we can be testimonies of Jesus Christ. And then if you'll flip over and go to John 16, 7. Now, the world can't receive the Holy Ghost, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't work on them. He, doesn't, he works on them, but he does not dwell in them. He works in their lives, and it says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient. It's above everything else. For you that I go away, because if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. The benefits of walking with Jesus. People have said, and I have too in the past, I wish I would have lived when Jesus was alive. No. Those days are nothing compared to the days that we live in right now. He's going to send the comforter. And we are going to live in a realm of the Spirit of God where he is going to reveal things to us to come. He's going to bring things back to our remembrance. He's going to lead us and guide us. He's going to take us through life. And he's going to cause us to always be victorious. Now, he's going to be with us forever. Jesus was with the disciples for three and a half years. And then he filled them. So we have to realize that in this passage of Scripture, it wants us to understand we need to know him. Can I have it on the screen? Nevertheless, for if I go not away, I will, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when, somebody say when. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Three workings of the Holy Ghost. The first thing that the Holy Ghost does is he reveals the sinful nature of man to himself. Well, why? Why? Because Jeremiah says that the heart above all things 
is filled with wickedness and deception. Proverbs says that there that the heart in a man or his soul or his spirit says this, everything you're doing is okay by our approval. And every man's ways are right in his own eyes. Now we know that that is false. So the Holy Ghost comes into the world and he convinces convicts, unveils the things that are sinful and not accepted to God. Now, he doesn't condemn. He that does not believe is condemned already. In other words, he will fall under his own condemnation, but he will stay there because he refuses to accept forgiveness. But the Holy Ghost is not trying to condemn us. And he's not trying to condemn you and I. But he does want us free of the penalty, the power, and the rulership of sin. He wants us free. And so he comes into a world that he knows rejects him, but he comes to convict them or to convince them of their sin. That was one of the missions of Jesus. Jesus said, if I had not come, you would have sin. And your sin now will remain because you refuse to repent. How would the world have known what righteousness was except that there was a light that shined into darkness? How does the world know what is right except the church rises up and reflects it. The church must rise up. Some of you might say, oh man, you're talking holiness. Well, you can call it whatever you want. I'm really talking about life. Now, you can live in the shadow of death. You can live in the, you know, a little here and a little there. You can live separated from God. You can live under the curse. You can do whatever you want. But it doesn't change how much God loves you. And it doesn't change the willingness of the Holy Ghost to be active and participant on your behalf. So the Holy Ghost comes and he convicts the world. But one of the convicting venues is your life. And then it says that he will reprove the world and then he'll show them righteousness. Through who? You and I. And if we don't adhere to righteousness, then the world's sins have no opportunity to be unveiled. If you look into a room of light, and it's just black. What do you see? Black. And then it says of judgment. It really speaks to us about judgment, how we are constantly purposing in our hearts and judging how we walk 
and how we treat people. And that is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because how we treat people may seem right in our own eyes, but I, not like you, but I am in a lot of adjustment lots of times. You know, I look at a, a guy that's sitting on the corner. I know you would never think this, but I do. Like, why don't you get a job, man? Guy holding up a sign. We'll work for food. Uh, holding up a sign. My family and I are evicted. Uh, and I think you have to be careful about all that. Because I talk, caught Phyllis out there a few weeks ago because there was a sale at Macy's. And we, we just didn't have the funds right then. So uh, she was saying, help Macy stay in business. Now, I'm kidding. She'd be selling my clothes to have money if Macy's was having a sale. Now, but if we don't live by the power of the Holy Ghost, we have none of that going on in our life. Could it be an amen? So, we as Christians have to realize the Holy Ghost is working with the world but the world will never be victorious without him. The Holy Ghost is still actively convicting the world, but this will, should get into you. But he is actively convicting and leading the child of God through a process of sanctification. The word sanctification means is that he is constantly, even though you are separated from sin, he is now dealing with the root system that allows sin to be fruitful in your life. He's dealing with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the mind. Ephesians 2, 1, 2, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 down through 4, and 1 John 2.15. So we have to realize that we are clean, but we're also being cleaned daily. Now, why is the Holy Ghost convicting us? Well, he just wants to be bossy. No. He is convicting us because when sin gets started, a little leaven will leaven the whole lot. And only the Holy Ghost can see these hidden areas that have lied dormant maybe for years. And so the Holy Ghost, only the Holy Ghost, can see those things. And at a season that the Holy Ghost knows, at the season where your faith has grown, where your willingness to fall upon the rock and be remolded instead of the rock falling on you, when you cast yourself at the feet of Jesus, whether by desperation or whether by desire, whatever it might be, when you come to that point, the Holy Ghost reveals these things to you. We are constantly being changed from one glory to another glory, as if it were by the Spirit. So the Holy Ghost is still convicting us, and he is chasing or chastising us, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 5 down through 12, 
tells us that he does that to perfect holiness. Now, you might not understand why do we have to keep getting separated from sin? Because the more sin that has not been dealt with, the less influence the Holy Ghost has on your life. The less faith will flow in your life. The Bible tells us in Jude, pray in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Anything unholy will hinder your faith. Criticism of somebody else will hinder your faith. I'm just telling you. You you just, oh, well, it, it doesn't matter a little bit. A little bit what? Will make the whole bunch leaven. Because you can't do one wrong and just continue to do it and it not affect you. You'll take on the nature and whosoever you submit your members to, that's who you're going to be servants to. Now, I hope that I'm not boring you because I got six more pages and I'm, I'm kidding you. So the Holy Ghost reveals to you and I hidden sins. He chastises us, not for his own good or his own purpose, but for your well-being. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And God wants us to unveil Jesus to the world. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. The Holy Ghost is ever condemning and convicting. He never condemns, but he does convict. And if you get condemned after conviction, or you get condemned during a service, that's not the Holy Ghost. It's not even the word that's being preached. It's how you're hearing it. Amen. It is your heart condition that's condemning you because the Bible says in 1 John, the third chapter, if your heart condemn you, then God is greater than your heart. In other words, there's no condemnation in God, but if you let your heart go crazy and misinterpret and misunderstand the whole element of what's being done in a service or a message, then your own heart will condemn you. And it may be because you just got a burr under your foot. I don't know why people misunderstand. I do it all the time at home. I asked Philip, can you interpret? You know exactly what I mean. But I'm still afraid to interpret. You know, sometimes I look at her and I say, do you want to fight? She said, no, I'm just warming up. I'm thinking, oh, my word. Hope we have company tonight. So we have to understand that, folks, when you get under condemnation, it's not the word that's being preached. It's the heart condition that is being preached too. And I know that that's way out there because people say, oh, my word, you're talking about responsibility. Yeah, it's called maturity. It's called growing up. It's called taking ownership of the way that you are maturing in life. And maturity is not how much you can quote the Bible, how much you know. Maturity is found in how you respond to adverse conditions. That's where maturity is found. 
Not founding because you got cars and money. Lots of people got cars and money. And so we have to understand that the Holy Ghost comes with a purpose. And he comes into our personal lives. Just like Jesus came into their life. Now, I want to say something. I want to say it very slowly and very plainly. Because I think sometimes we miss this great truth. The Bible says in John 10.38. Could I have that on the screen? John 10.38. But if I do, though you do not believe me. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And believe not me, believe the works that ye may know. Notice this phrase. That you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. Now let's stop right there. Where was God through Jesus' ministry? Where? With him. But when Jesus prayed, he didn't speak to himself. He lifted up his voice towards the heavens. Our Father, which art in heaven. His prayer was directed towards heaven, so where was God? In heaven. But wait, I thought he was in Jesus. Both are true. God was in heaven, but God, through the Holy Ghost, made his residency in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? God is in heaven, but because the Holy Ghost and God are one, inseparable. The Holy Ghost dwelt in Jesus, and Jesus accredited to him as being the Spirit of his Father. Now, how did Jesus glorify God? Was through the working of the gifts of the Spirit. The works that I do, you shall do also. Now, the Holy Ghost dwells in Jesus. Jesus considers him the Spirit of my Father. And he is in me, and he does everything that I'm doing is attributed to the Spirit of my Father or to the Holy Ghost. Now, Colossians 1.27, if I could have that on the screen. Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the who? Us. Which is Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. The word glory means with the hope of unveiling the invisible God. Now, where is Jesus at today? He's where? Is he in you? 
Jesus is in my heart. Don't we say that? Which is absolutely true. But Jesus is attending to heavenly things in the heavens. And he ever lives to make intercessions for us. Now, he is a high priest, and he is in heaven. But because of the person of the Holy Ghost that comes and fills you and I as Christians, just as Jesus unveiled God through the Holy Ghost, we unveil Christ through the Holy Ghost. But it is the Holy Ghost that's in us that is attributed as being the Spirit of Christ. Now, we do have the Spirit of adoption, but the infilling of the Holy Ghost is something different than that. And so, when the Holy Ghost comes in, we become equipped during this time to unveil the hidden Christ. And without the Holy Ghost, we will never unveil him. Just as Jesus could never have unveiled the Father without the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Help me. Now, let's go to, I'll, I'll kind of prove that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. We're getting ready to wrap up here. And the reason I'm doing it this way I want to present the Holy Ghost different to you. We all have, oh yeah, I know what he's going to say. I know, well, I hope that you didn't know anything I was going to say. And I hope you listen to it and take these nuggets and put them into your life. Now, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by who? Jesus Christ and hath given unto us Unto us, unto us, the ministry of reconciliation. Now, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, remember that people believed in Jesus when they saw what he did, and then Jesus says, it's the spirit of my Father. We know it was the Holy Ghost. Now, next verse. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, who was in Jesus? God. By who? The person of the Holy Ghost. He brought the world to himself. The Holy Ghost is in us, anointed us, and equipped us to reconcile the world, to bring conviction of their sin, to establish the righteousness of life, and to establish the judgment of freedom, liberty, and salvation. Now, next verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for who? Christ. 
as, what's this? As through God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, you take his place. You as a believer, a child of God, are as powerful with the person of the Holy Ghost as if Jesus himself walked through that wall and stood on this stage. Oh, I'm not Jesus. Who said you were? I never said you were. You are an ambassador in his stead. With the spirit that raised him up from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. And the spirit of his father that dwelled in him, that same spirit now dwells in us in the person of Christ. Now, Nick, uh, can I go back to that verse? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled unto God. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now there is no way that you are Jesus. But there is the way that Jesus is in you. And that he can flow through you. And that he can manifest himself as if he was here in person. Amen. So, the devil is as afraid of you as he is of Jesus. Sickness is as afraid of you as Jesus. Death is afraid of you as it was afraid of Jesus. Look. If you're in Christ's stead, then you have to understand you are all that Christ was to accomplish the same thing. How could you accomplish winning a world with anything less than Christ? We couldn't. Now, the Holy Ghost wants to be involved. He wants to participate. But we need to start getting him dusted off. And we need to start relying on him in all things. We need to start depending on him. Well, what if I miss it? And you get up, you try it again. And again, and again, and again, and again. I was just in Brazil and uh, prayed for a blind eye and it didn't come open. I said, well, you're not the one. I said, uh, where's that other blind eye lady stood up? She said, I've been blind for three years. They operate on my eye. They tell me there's no hope. I'll never get it back. I said, okay, that's enough. I prayed for her, cast out that blind devil, and the woman immediately started screaming. She said, I can see, I can see. Okay, good deal. You just find it, and you do it again. Amen. Don't quit. Don't give up. Amen. Amen? Amen? Let's just not do it. 
How many of you saw the Super Bowl game? I didn't. But I heard that the team was losing. And then they did something stupid and won. Right? Most of us cash out before the game's over. Don't cash out. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. Just keep trying. Be persistent. Let's just stop rolling over like a puppy that's having his belly rubbed. You know, and shaking your leg and kicking your leg and acting all Pentecostal and we just aren't. Come on. I mean, let's start really believing in the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's start believing in the power of God. Let's start believing that the Holy Ghost can do anything through us that he did through Jesus. He wants to be involved. He wants to participate. Now, what are we going to let him do? Are we going to get up every day and walk like he doesn't exist? Or are we actually really, really, when we are getting involved in something, stop, go to the prayer room. Now, your prayer room at work might be filled with urinals, but you go in there and you pray. Say, God, I need your help. Holy Ghost, show me what to do. Show me what to say. Tell me how to respond. Holy Ghost, I want Jesus to be seen here. I want him to establish the right way and not the wrong way. I want him to use me to show them that a man can be victorious. That I don't have to live by emotions, but I can live by faith and dependency on God. And God, I ask you to let sinners see this, that they may know that they are in sin. Now what, how are we going to live? We haven't lived like that. We haven't lived like that. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. So, what does that mean? Be strong in the power of the Holy Ghost. David, rely on him. Rely on him. He'll give you a word to say. How about Ezekiel standing, looking over a valley of dry bones, and God said, hey, can these live? He said, I don't know. You, you know. God said, say this. Does the Holy Ghost have a word for your season, for your life? Yes. Is he waiting to speak it? Yes. Is he waiting to arm you with the sword of the Spirit? Yes. Is he waiting to give you wisdom? Yes. The Bible said when you're delivered up before your enemies, don't take thought what you're going to say. The Holy Ghost will give you what to say. Can the Holy Ghost help you crucify the flesh? Yes. Can the Holy Ghost help you think good about your enemies? Yes. The Holy Ghost is waiting to be involved. He's not going to break in on you. You're going to have to invite him in. 
So let's just start getting to the place that the Holy Ghost, somebody say the Holy Ghost, is real. And he's for me today. What he did in Jesus' life, he will do in my life. I am equipped with the Holy Ghost to take Jesus to the world. I can be as successful as Jesus was in bringing people to him as he brought people to God. Come on, that's what and who we are. The Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost. 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 Where is the church without him? Defeated. But where are we with him? Victorious. A city set on a hill that can't be hid. Victorious in all of our doings, praise God. Relentless in our pursuit of victory. That's who we are. When we have the Holy Ghost. Let's begin to embrace him. Let's begin to know him as he knows us. Let's begin to invest time. Tell him, I'd like to get to know you better. He'll respond better than an ugly girl. Absolutely. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost so yearning to embrace you and I. To embrace. He awaits the opportunity to unveil Jesus. To the world. You are his venue. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. God, we just ask that you would renew in us a spirit, God, of remembrance. God, awaken us to a spirit, God, of dependence upon the Holy Ghost. God, let us not even declare our positions and our goals without us saying, if the Lord will, let the Holy Ghost lead us. Let him guide us. God, I see plans and purposes. I see God breakthroughs. I see healings, miracles. I see God, people being free, families being mended. God, the wholeness of Jesus. Us being what Paul said, be imitators of God. Following God's steps. Following Jesus' life. Let the Holy Ghost have his place in us as he had in Jesus. Holy Ghost, we ask you to come. We know that you filled us. We know that you're here. We know all the faith statements. We, we know that. But God, even though you live in us, we still seek you.
So God, Holy Ghost, come. Fill us. Renew our dreams and visions. Renew our awareness of you. Renew us, Holy Ghost, that we understand that we live and move and have our being only in you. Holy Ghost, glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus in us. Hallelujah, Holy 